A pandemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media dubbed murder virus, MV20 soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees. Caught in the middle, police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry. As the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru, Abramelin Harvest's plot to heal the planet. Harvest's missive? The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. Welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I am Anthony. I'm Ray. And we are here to do our top horror lists for 2021. I kind of felt that out because, you know, previously we do top movies, top 10 lists, however you want to say it. this is just going to be our favorite horror media from 2021. And I think the reason for this is I think we're going to maybe do like, I have my top 10 film list up on my letterbox. Um, but there's, I don't know. There's so many other things. Like there's two shows that I really wanted on the list. And if it's a top 10 film list, I don't want to make that concession. So that was really kind of the impetus for me. Um, cause they're both like really, you know, I don't know. And then there's a novel and what, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. So try to get creative with it. Um, guys, how you been? Good. Fucking solid gold. Solid gold. We are recording this on December 26th, 2021. So Anthony. Yo. Hit me with your list, your top horror for this particular year, 2021, I, year of our I, Lord. I will uh, hit you with my best shot. Um, and here I go, firing away. Um, you know, I'm very busy. You guys have noticed I've uh, had a brief absence from the show. Um, you know, raising a kid, um, best part of my 2021 by far. And um, yeah, so the big one that I saw this year, and it surprised me, and I've even bad-mouthed wanting to watch the film um candy man 2021 holy shit i was completely blown away by this film it completely subverted my expectation was not expecting what i got at all completely well acted totally well acted beautifully shot i mean there are some fucking scenes in this movie that are gorgeous to look at i mean yeah. let's start with the opening credits yes yeah. yes upside down you know just the uh oh my god skyscrapers in the fog yeah yeah exactly oh. and, and what it represents i mean it's fucking fantastic and um jesus i've said that you guys know this line i implore you to go watch it i'm sure a lot of you have seen it by now and we would love to fucking hear your thoughts on it please chime in on any social media platform but no this movie I'm going to say it. This is my top. This is the top film for me of 2021. Now, I've had a very small group of films that I have seen. And unfortunately, I'm not going to talk about the majority of them because they didn't, you know, beat my expectation. However, Candyman, definitely high. It is. It's it's the apex for me. It's number one for me this year. Loved it. Have you guys seen the film? Yes. I'm not yet. I'm not going to spoil it for them. I'm... I, like I said, I implore you to go watch. Very, I was very much looking forward to that. Just need to get a chance to see it. That's all. Let, so let me so let me suggest Ray do what I did: rewatch the original and then watch 
bad. So I watched the original one night, and then the next night I rented the new one and watched it, and I was very glad that I did. Okay. I remember renting it from the red box and I hung on to it for about a week. I'm like, you know, I could have just paid for this. Fucking thing. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, it, it, uh, the, the price finally went down on it to like 14 bucks. And I just struck while the iron was hot and was like, okay, let me bring this fucker home. And I got it and I sat down and watched it fucking floored by it. Loved it. Every moment of the fucking movie. And there was one little piece towards the end where I was kind of like, and eh, this is a bit silly, but it wasn't enough to take away from the film. Again, beautifully acted, beautifully shot. The script was fantastic. Yeah. Nothing bad to say about this film whatsoever. Fucking loved it. So yeah. that's, that's my film of the year. It, it is definitely the only sequel I can think of that makes the original movie better. It's, it's late in the year. Oh, I don't spoil it. Obviously, Ray hasn't seen it. But yeah, I mean, it... it it touches on social issues right now that are, that are, you know, relevant today. Although I had heard like it was overbearing and it is not like, I don't know. So who, like, yeah. Like I didn't think it was overbearing at all. I didn't think it was preachy. No. Like, and also it's nothing that's not in the fucking first movie. So, yeah. you know, all right. To say, I mean, the first movie, if I remember correctly, has a lot about race and about the neighborhood and about, yeah. Um, poverty and how it affects minority groups. Like it, like I don't know, man. Without going too far into it, there's people out there who say that kind of thing, and then it bothers me because I'm like, you clearly didn't pay attention to some of the stuff you read in the past. Like, yeah, the way that people now, like some people out there will be like, oh, you know, comic books, Marvel is getting too political, and I'm like, really? Did you not? really read the comics that you read when you were younger because you yeah. just weren't for you or yeah. if you didn't get it because you're so because that was so far away from you and now it's you and now it's your time and you just don't understand that they're still doing the same thing yeah it's hitting you in a way that you now it offends you yeah yeah well I, I'll, I'll admit i was terrified of watching a film that was going to be too woke and ham-fisted with that and beat me over the head with it and you know feed me a bunch of vegetables and make me feel like a bad person and then that's not what i got I, I, yeah. like i said it ended up being a fucking solid film it's yeah fucking amazing i loved it i loved it and like i said i completely fucking take back everything i said about it before because unfortunately i was just being an idiot and going off other things that i'd heard from from other critics and it, it dissuaded me and i was like i have to fucking give this thing you know it's it's fair shot and i'm so glad i did because it's so fucking good yeah and it, it also really uh near the cost of the, the director and obviously jordan peele the producer it really sets it up whether or not they, they anybody does this but it sets it up where there could be more and i would be fine with it because it I, man i don't it, it was just so it was so well done. It was so gratifying. I was just gratifying to like see somebody approach that, not only with respect to the original property, but an idea on how to, because the thing with the original, I'm always reminded of when I watch it is it is a really unconventional movie. Like, you know, I heard somebody say that it's bullshit that they're, and this is always the thing with any kind of icon. Oh, they can't recast Tony Todd. It's like, probably you. It was probably, you. It was probably no, you no, it, 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 it was not you. Um, but, you know, it's like the same thing with, oh, you can't recast Doug Bradley. Okay, well, then we'll never have another Hellraiser. So fuck off. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like these people aren't going to be in tiered in the fucking makeup. And, you know, I, like, I just, I, so, but the other thing with especially with Candyman, the original, the original one sets up that somebody else becomes another Candyman. You know what I mean? Like so, by the end of the movie, spoilers. I mean, it's from 1992. Virginia Madsen is is the, is the killer, right? That I'm oh. so the fact that anybody's like, oh, you can't do. It's like, well, they already did it in the original movie. So like, so are you boy? So you're a fan of the original movie, but you're not. You're boycotting it, like. It doesn't make any sense. It's it is a very odd movie, and it doesn't do. It's a lot like Hellraiser, where you know the first Hellraiser, Pinhead's in it for uh, what ten minutes, maybe 
because right. it's not the fucking point. So, yeah. and it, you know, it's not till the third one where that you could see the studio has their things on and they're like, oh, we got to make him the next Freddy. And it fails. <laughs> you know, it has its moments, but it fails. Um, I've never seen the other two Candyman sequels, so I can't speak to them. I would imagine there's no reason to watch them now. I don't know. I know both, or I know Anthony has said there's some intriguing things about, I think it's the third one with the street gangs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a street game that kind of worships Candyman. And, yeah, like know, that's a cool idea. And I think they even commit crimes like with hooks to try to keep his name alive. But well, and, it, and like again, going back, back to the first it. movie where like, yeah. you know, she's in the, the outhouse reading the, you know, the species smeared wall. <laughs> Guys come in from the gang and are like, you as you should. Candyman, you know, yeah. I hear you look um, for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You found it. Oh, I fucking love that guy. God damn. <laughs> Uh, in the future i think it would be cool if we did one of those double feature episodes where we did a deep dive on both the the, the first film and then the newer film that would yeah. be cool i think it'd be really cool just go super spoiler definitely definitely so ray please jump on it though i think you're gonna love it though man it's yeah fun. i really think you'll like it it's quality you see it in theaters i just didn't get a moment to yeah same i, ju- I just saw it this week yeah like i said it's it's you know available for home video now i mean it's it's a two dollar rental from you know redbox Support your time though. It's on streaming. I think it's on um, Prime. So yeah, you can. I, I rented it for I think four ninety nine. So, but I will tell you, it's it would be worth just picking up the Blu Ray. I I thought it was that good. Yeah. So um, let's see what, what else? else. And for the uh, it, it, for what Anthony brought up, if you are out there and you're thinking, you know what, I do want to find the most woke horror movie of 2021 that possibly is looking and pointing a finger at me and calling me the bad guy. If you're a male, check out Lucky, because it does kind of do that. <laughs> you definitely- Wait, but now we'll get to your best of list in a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> was that really a best of? I don't know. If it was- I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you. It was, yeah, it was a good movie, but I definitely by the end felt like I was, you know, I should probably... You feel a little targeted. You feel yeah, a little, little bit. Is it all males or that guy or is it anyone? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Anthony, what else is on your list? Uh, it's a video game, actually. Okay. And we were just discussing prior to the beginning of the podcast about how Nintendo just celebrated its 35th anniversary, especially as far as like the first several games that were released on it, Castlevania, a couple other properties, Zelda. One of those games was Metroid. So for those who followed that game throughout its, you know, its tenure, uh, you only get a game like maybe every 10 years. So this last one that came out was the first in continuity for 19 years. Oh, wow. And it is fantastic. So the game's title is Metroid Dread. And there is an element of dread in the game. In this one, you're actually hunted down by killer robots. And they show you die on screen when you're not able to get away from them. Samus will be pinned down and literally impaled by a giant spike and killed on screen. Wow. And it was like, what the fuck? So majority of the game is you running around, you know, obviously getting power-ups as you do in most games. However, in this one, you're totally being stalked by these, you know, Terminator-like robots that just want to kill you. Um, so, you know, as far as running into a, a, a new room, and it, like I said, it's a night game that's the first game in 19 years. You have no idea what the fuck you're doing, where the fuck you're running. You're just literally frantically running around, terrified, trying to get away from these you know, soulless killing machines. No, this game is amazing. And um, I'm a big Metroid fan. And um, I mean, it's always had these like, it's always been like a step away from from horror. Um, You've always had these like, you know, creatures that are hunting you down, trying to kill you and whatnot. And so this one's very uh, alien, actually. It's very, very, uh, very closely related to, to alien, in my opinion. Whereas, you know, the Xenomorph is an unfeeling, unrelenting killing right. machine. And it's very similar in that aspect where you are, you know, stuck in the bowels of this, you know, terrifying planet that, you know, only wants to kill you and eat you alive. And here you are being stalked by these, again, you know, soulless killing machine robots, um, which is something that we've seen in horror movies many times. Yeah. Um, thousand hunt well not thousands but you know we, we've seen this trope 
forever. And it's very interesting to see uh, a company like Nintendo, you know, a, who brought you Super Mario Brothers. And the worst, the worst thing that you see as far as death goes is Oopa Goomba, you know, bounce against <laughs> your leg and now you're dead. So to see that, you know, like really uh, all these dark elements being brought into this franchise is, uh, is very, uh, very exciting. And, uh, and I, as a fan, am very, very happy and excited that the series will continue on. And like I said, this is the first time where I think they really uh, drag in like directly, they bring in uh, elements of horror from films to actually use uh in game and it's it's fantastic and i highly recommend it to those that have a nintendo switch please jump on metroid dread is fantastic wow so so okay a couple questions because i know nothing about games but um so it's the first one in continuity in 19 years were there other metroid variations that like were like out of continuity yes so they they've had a couple that were just like like, reboots or something no no they're, they're like more like um separate like side storylines but nothing that was part of like the the main main storyline which started in what 85 85 and the next one was 91 if i'm not mistaken don't fucking hang me if i'm wrong and that was on the original game boy 1994 had super metroid which is like the pinnacle of that series and and so on and but like i said this this last one has had 19 years between uh wow in direct storyline everything else that's come out in between has been like side stories and whatnot those games have been fun but this is the first time where you're getting something that actually continues the lore and it's fantastic yeah i just used fucking the word lore no no dude that's the right word i'm 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 curious because so it's really interesting to me and i think it's really cool if like video games do that so in other words if you won you play the original metroid and won it Yes. And then the second one comes out and you win that. So this is all continuing the story. And so I'm assuming somewhere there's some um, compendium written that kind of maps this out. I would be almost curious to read that more than I'd be because I'm, I'm just not a gamer. So as much as yeah. this sounds awesome, I'm not going to play it. So here's the thing, much like Castlevania, where you had, you know, screen after screen after screen of here's the story. This is what's happening. This is what has happened. This is what's going on next. Here you go. This does none of that. So oh. everything, everything in the Metroid series is implied. Okay. So first, first game. I'm not, well, I'm not going to go through the whole history, but you yeah, kill, yeah, you kill the end boss, which is a giant fucking brain in a big jar that yeah. is trying to kill you. You kill that very, you know, sci-fi horror. And then the second film, or not film, second game, you go to their planet, you have to go kill all these fucking giant creatures. And then the next one is there's only one of them that survived. And now everybody's trying to get it and use it as a bioweapon. And then uh, the next one, you're hurt, whatever. And then 19 years go by. Right. And now now you're being hunted. So that's pretty badass. But it's cool. But all that stuff is implied. There's no cut screens. There's nothing that tells you that. You go, you go into the game and it's implied. You're like, oh, this is what happened next. So we'll okay. just continue. So it's very, it doesn't hold your hand as far as storytelling goes. So it's one of those things where it's, it's very niche. And, you know, for those who, who were in the know, like you, you know what's going on already. And right, right. There, therein lies the surprise for everybody that jumps into the new game. They're like, oh, fuck, this is continuing this. Okay, now, all right, I know that story. Let's go here. Right. Huh, that's cool. But yeah, it would be cool if there was some sort of, you know, written down tome of information about it, because I think it would be fun. I think it would be a great space opera, but, you know. Yeah, it seems like it would make a good comic or movie or, you know, what a cartoon, something. I don't know. But yeah, also, I mean. Future project from Mr. Baker here. Who knows? Well, <laughs> also, I would imagine a lot of the gamers that would kind of take it away from them. So I could see the argument to, to not do that, you know. So I don't know. I mean, but it, it definitely, you know, I played the original back in the day and I, I loved it. And I've never really played anything since because um, I never, my video games never went past the original Nintendo. So, but it's, it's cool to hear. I love hearing about that kind of thing in the gaming world. And it's fun because it's not like the stuff that you see today where it's like, okay, I've got an assault rifle and I can see first person. Now I'm going to go shoot up a bunch of, you know, civilians. Like, it's just, I I don't understand a lot of modern gaming because of that. And it's just, I don't like guns. 
like guns. Guns. I don't like guns. There, I said it. What are you, some like, kind of socialist hippie? Yes. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> this is a uh, bad So what? What else? What, what else you got on your list? Uh, my number one comic of the year, my number one comic series of the year, which has been the Silver Coin, brought to you by Mr. Adam Walsh via Image Comics, which is we've spoken about on this, so I don't want to retread on it too much. Um, Michael Walsh. Michael Walsh. Brief synopsis: You know, there's a cursed object that gets passed around to people throughout the ages. Um, you're, you know, much like the monkey's paw, you're granted something fantastic, but usually there's a really hefty toll that comes with it. And we're up to what, seven issues now? It is fucking incredible. Um, beautifully illustrated. The stories, you know, there's, some, there's maybe one or two that, that are kind of, that kind of throw me off, but there's a lot of big names. You had Zdarsky, you had um, a bunch of fucking people that have jumped on this, that yeah. jumped up the series. And it's Lemire. Lemire, yeah, Lemire was on it. There's some amazing ones, but um, this this one um, touches me in a in a, in a special spot because um, you know, hail Satan, and, and it's fucking great. <laughs> and uh, moving on from you know, one Satan to the next. Uh, next film on my list that I thought was pretty damn good that a lot of people kind of wrote off was The Conjuring Three. We did cover it on the show. We did a you know viewing, and everybody came in and chimed in. However, that's another film that, you know, uh, hit me in a spot that was, you know, gave, gave me the happies because I like a lot of um, North American witchcraft lore and whatnot. And, you know, this this time we get, you know, a satanic witch, which is just like I said, it was right up my alley at the time when I watched it. Uh, I was consuming a lot of media at that time that was uh, adjacent and really happy to see something like that on screen because you just don't see that stuff anymore and i remember yeah. watching like the first power where there was like a satanic serial killer which you don't get a lot anymore so it was really interesting to see that not only this was this witch being used as a um, you know a conduit for satan and demons um but uh, again it, it's that it's that surprise where it's like man you don't get this shit anymore we're like the enemy is, or, or the, the, you know, the big bad in the film is the devil, ultimately, you know, it's something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's something you don't get, and that Darren led, led, you know, what Darren was a surprise, and I enjoyed that little surprise quite a bit. So that's just another movie that I really enjoyed. PG-13 uh, has a couple cutaway kills in it, but overall enjoyable. If you enjoy... <laughs> I don't want to say this, but if you enjoyed the camp of the second one, you'll love this one. But I hated the second film is what it is, whatever. But yeah. the third one I enjoyed quite a bit. I enjoyed that one right up there next to the first one. So, yeah, yeah that's, I, I feel like the third one is definitely more akin to the first one. But those are my tops of the year. Um, and for the, the stuff that I have recommended, please go look if you haven't seen it. Go go go! Spend your money and and enjoy these things that we're we're pushing on you like dope, because because yeah. uh, it's good dope. Who wants good to go dope. next? Ray. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a like what, what I did is kind of broke things up into categories. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, let's start this way because this is the way I wrote it, so it just makes sense. Uh, slasher movies. Um. The Fear Street movies. I really like yeah. those. I liked them all. I didn't even mind the third one. I know people didn't like the whole travel back, but I thought it was interesting. Um, the first one really surprised the shit out of me how much I liked it when I first saw it. I, I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. And then when I sat down and watched it, I was like, oh my God, these are these are like the best neo slashers since the first screen movie. And I mean, just the brutality of some of the kills, like the sandwich cutter, just really surprised the shit out of me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, just like, holy shit. And then the second, like the second one, man, there's that point where that kid becomes possessed and like he comes upon the, the camp, the, the, the other campers and they're kids. They're yep. kids. They go for it, man. He kills them all with an axe. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of like brutality and like I, that's what you expect from a slasher that's what you want you don't want someone to pull back you don't want someone to be like 
oh, we're not going to show this. Or like, we're going to have them walk past them. No, no, no. He's going to, they're, they're going to be dead. And then they're going to, and then we're going to go on to the next scene. And we're going to keep going. But um, yeah, I just really enjoyed all of them. I didn't even, and I love the fact that they decided to not only make one, but three and just consecutively like do this thing of like, okay, here's the first one. Another week we're gonna say throw out the next one, and then the next week we're gonna throw you out the next one. Yep. Um, at first, I was a little bit disappointed that it was on a streaming network, that it was on Netflix. But once I saw all of them, I thought it made a lot of sense, and I didn't mind it at all. Um, it did give them an opportunity to present it in a way that, like, I think people would have it was easier for more people to digest and get through. Whereas I think sometimes, especially with movies that when they, when you make something and you put it on the, on the screen, um, interest just degrades over time on anything. And, you know, you put out a movie and the first one is a hit movie and maybe you make a misstep or something a little bit in the second movie, or you just show something that someone doesn't like. And they're probably not going to get around to that third one. Whereas this way, I mean, it was, it's right there. It's convenient. You just press a button on your remote. It opens yeah. up an app. You go to it, you, you select it, you watch it and you're done. And then, you know, the next one comes out and you go, okay, let's go ahead and sit down and watch that next. Um, so it, it, it can hold a little bit. It can hold the interest a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's an argument to be made there that, like, that, then it's not quite the cinematic experience. But I don't know. I still enjoy them. I, I think that if they had, if someone did some, if like Netflix did like the, their own theaters, like they talk about doing, and they want to do something for like maybe Halloween, uh, next year or something, or in the future, where you know they decide we're going to release all the Fear Street movies and you just come and we're going to do this whole big marathon that you can sit in a theater and watch the whole thing. Like literally first movie is going to end. We're going to start the next one or we're going to somehow string them together and edit them. So they're all just one big film. I'd go see it. I'd, I'd give it a shot. I'd be like, I would this too. It's be a lot of fun. Um, much like, I mean, you and I went to that experience of cinema, uh, Cinespia did the thing of they want they showed Kill Bill Volume One and Two. Oh yeah, and, and they literally gave us like five ten minutes, and then boom, right into the second movie. Yeah, and I mean that's pretty close to what originally uh, Tarantino envisioned. Like, because apparently they're supposed to be one movie, but yeah, then they were like a five hour movie. No, man, we know <laughs> we're not going to make people sit through that. And so he broke up into two movies and Fear Street is, feels linear enough that you could continue. I mean, sit there and watch it as a big marathon. Plus I did enjoy the twist. I did enjoy the twist. I did. I yeah, enjoyed I did too. And, and I'll tell you what, the thing about the, the, so I feel like we've been seeing shows that are basically like eight hour movies, right? Yeah. So it's dissolving the kind of barrier between the shows, between what is a show and what is a film. I feel like this did it from the other end, where really these are three movies, but the way they released them and the way they played, it felt like a show. Yeah. And and, and really in, in Britain, you know, their seasons are like like Luther or something like that. The first yeah. season is basic or Sherlock. The first season is three hour and a half long episodes, basically three movies. So, it, you know, we are starting to see this dissolve. The argument can be made, you know, True Detective season one, it was an eight-hour movie. Twin Peaks, The Return, it was a 16-hour movie. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's just, you know, obviously, not many people would sit through a 16-hour David Lynch movie. I would, but, you know, I would need cocaine. So. Uh, but my, uh, so that was my favorite. My runner-up. <sighs> this might upset some people. Uh, no slam on that last Halloween. The last Halloween movie was enjoyable. It, I do fear, though, they're going, because that first one feels a little bit more tinged in reality, more grounded. 
and with this second one, they they kind of have been mo- they're moving away from that. So it feels Maybe. like they're, like they're. I'm a little bit worried about like the possibility of they're trying to do fan service for people that have liked so all the films yeah. in the in the oeuvre. Uh, my runner up was actually there's someone inside your house, which I thought what? was a great little slash. Was that the one that I watched two in a row? Was that the one with the 3D printed mask? Yeah. Yeah. I so okay, so talk about it. I liked it. I had an issue with it, but I liked it. I, you know, I had a, I had some I had some like I said, that's I feel like it's a it's 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 it follows the tradition well. I mean, it's not a perfect movie. Um, and if you're paying, if you're paying attention in the first five to 10 minutes, you probably can figure out who the killer is from a mile away, but it's, it has its own fun. It follows the pattern of a slasher, you know, it's these kids and, and, and there's somebody out there who, um, has decided that he's going to make right all the wrongs of these other characters by killing them off. And whether it's because of the lies that they're, the, the lie uh, of their life that they're leading or crimes that they haven't paid for or whatever, it, it follows the pattern of 80 slashers. Yeah, it, to- it totally does. And, and really the hook is that he kills them wearing a 3D printed mask of their face. Yeah, so that's pretty fucking cool. So, you know, I, I, I and it, it fits the most. You're right, both of these things. Th- this is like people w- would hate to hear this, but really, like, it's just the modern version of the mutilator. It's just the thing is now yeah. it's, it's able to be put into the mainstream, and, and that's only going to continue. I feel like, especially. Yeah, I can't wait for this fucking mutilator sequel. I just can't fucking wait for it. But, but you know, it's just it's back then it wasn't going to get a big audience. Now, after thirty years of it bubbling in the in the uh, you know the broth of pop culture, you can get away with doing a slasher movie on Netflix. What else you got? Uh, So I guess let's see. Uh, Well, I guess my next my next category would be horror comedy. Um, which is kind of a tie for me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse what I did before. The runner-up was Willie's Wonderland. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very focused. It it it, it does the thing with Nick Cage, which I think people are starting to notice what to do, which is a little bit of a Keanu Reeves thing, which is put him on screen, have him be a badass, don't have him talk a lot, have him gesture have them kill things, it'll work out the best for you. And that's what it does. Uh, you know, he just puts him in the situation where he's inside of this place that is the, uh, if I remember correctly, serial killers took over uh, the bodies of animatronic uh, band inside of a, like, um, Chuck E. Cheese, right? Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing. And they come to life and they kill people. And at one time, they were wrecking havoc in the town, and the townspeople made a deal and were like, hey, hey, what if we just give you someone? You can kill, we'll give you people to kill, just leave the town alone. And they were like, okay, cool. Deal struck. And this guy comes along, and he's uh, he's a badass. He's not going to let him kill him. He just keeps fucking him up. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Um, that being said, the two movies uh, that I thought it, a little bit of a tie for me that I, that I came up on top of that one were uh, Werewolves Within and Slacks. Oh, uh, Werewolves Within, it's great. Uh, the only thing I think that it probably would suffer from is that traditional horror audiences would probably have a problem with the way it's structured. It is a It feels a little bit like a whodunit, like a mystery murder mystery. Yeah, it's like an Agatha. I haven't seen it, but it's like an Agatha Christie esque, like whodunit, right? Without approach to telling that kind of story, so there's very little of werewolf on screen. There is werewolf on screen, but there's very little of it, and instead, it makes it more about these people and about like the suspicion of a werewolf is making them all act 
evil but mac bizarre and act that out against each right other. right um but it has some great humor it's very clever um i don't necessarily think that the twist of who the werewolf is will surprise the shit out of anybody well don't spoil it i won't i don't i won't i think but i think it's a good time i think it's a very good leonard Nimoy. oh damn you and it's got some great dry humor. It's got some great humor in it. It's got some fantastic humor in it. The other one that I really liked was uh, a Shutter presentation. I, I really like Slacks, The Killer Jeans. I, I it's so. I know you're. I, you saw your face, Anthony, and it's uh, It's the stupidest premise, but once you're sitting there watching it, you're like, I. This is great. <laughs> like it's something because it's. Just the most obnoxious people that live in our society at the moment. Like these, these. One of the main characters is this like TikToker who's like known, <laughs> and like she's gonna be there when they release their big fashion line, and and the jeans kill her first. And you're like, this is fantastic. Yes, get her evil jeans. But then it had this like neat like woke tie-in for the explanation for the genes and i was like you know what i still like it i, I think it works better if you're not a person who, who likes that who, if you're someone like me who doesn't like fashion and looks at a lot of it and thinks like this is really pretentious and it's very bougie and like all of your all the value that you put into fashion and like oh this this shirt is worth so much more than this shirt if it just sounds like pretentious bullshit to you, this is the movie for you because it really, <laughs> it really does. It really believes that, and it really gives a finger to the to the fashion industry. It is not kind to it, and, it, it, and it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it there's definitely moments that made me laugh out loud. Um, yeah, my fashion sense doesn't go very far past Walmart attire. <laughs> Hey man, if that's what you want to rock, that's what you want to rock. That's fine. Dollar jeans, not me. Gucci all the way. Ooh, just just kidding. (laughs) What else you got, Ray? Um, uh, best, I guess best, uh, best, uh, Neo Giallo. Um, uh, for me, the runner-up was Malignant. It's. It is fun. It is creepy. The premise is bizarre. Um, the reveal is bizarre. It, it, it's got a lot of a... It, but it's... I mean, it's bloody. And it's definitely got some good gore representation mm-hmm. in there. But my favorite was probably Last Night in Soho. Oh. It's... Solid. Oh, man. I just feel like he... I'm forgetting his name right now, but the director... Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. But I, I, it feels like he knows his beats. Like he really went back, watched Giallo's, went, God, that's good. Yeah, I like that. I mean, he knows how to use the colors. He knows how to frame shots. Um, the beats he's hitting are all perfect. Um, and even the red herrings he uses are so Giallo. And they're so smart, and I and I just really enjoyed what he did. I, yeah. I'm 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 happy to see that he stepped back into the thriller horror genre. I I can't I I really look forward to seeing what else he'll come up with. Like where yeah. else? Like I've said for many many years, ever since I saw. Uh, 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 wow, I'm blanking on the name of it. Shaun of the Dead. No, no, the double feature. Uh, Oh, oh, he, he had that for don't. don't. Yeah. I, I want him to make that into a movie so yeah. bad. None of them I, are ever going to make the, any of those movies, unfortunately. Was like, because the movie that he's showing in that trailer is so much one of those 70s, late 60s, like, uh, uh, I forget the name of that whole thing, but where like you know films were being uh, video nasty. Video, it's a very it's much, total it's a, video nasty. Yeah, love to see him make a video nasty. Yeah. Um, that oh, really do that, please. If you're listening, I agree. In, see that movie. I agree, and put Anna Taylor Joy in it because that chick looks fucking hot, covered in blood. 
I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but damn. Anyway, sorry, that was weird. Hey, that's okay. Um, just a couple more. Uh, She's actually from the same oh. alien race as Christina Ricci. <laughs> oh, good. oh, very good call. Hmm. My uh, my what the fuck movies of uh, 2021. Because there was some what the fuck movies mm-hmm. that came out this year. Um, runners up. Uh, there's two of them. Prisoners of Ghostland. Yeah, it's great. It's it's good. It's great. Fuck movie. You're just like, wow, what the? Yeah. Okay. Oh, ooh, ah, okay. And like just the the setting, the costumes. There's so everything. That just makes you question how someone comes up with this. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that comes up with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you just have Dude. to. Ha! Fucking yeah! <laughs> fucking yeah! I forgot about that. Oh my god! I've been <laughs> saying it for like three weeks since I watched it. I was literally like, "What the fuck?" Another great stage <laughs> performance. Uh, just another one, man. That- is gold. You put him yeah. in, uh, in horror movies and he's gold. Yeah, and also like, I mean, it it almost is like Gilly, Terry Gilliam-esque in, in just the it's like these that, settings. You're like, what the fuck what, am I looking at right now? Didn't think about that, but I think oh. that's been, it appeals to me. Yeah, it, it, it's why. It's like, it's like a Japanese reinvention of Terry Gilliam. Yeah. That's a great point. Are there midgets in this movie? No. No. <laughs> no small deformed children, but no midgets. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. It's a weird one. It, it, uh, it is very good. Other runner-up was The Untamed, which... Uh, oh, uh, yeah. I still haven't seen that. It's good. It's, it's good. I mean... It's so... Uh, the only way to, to say it is that it's it, because it's a, I think because it's foreign, um, it, it has that foreign film sensibility of, oh man, it takes itself seriously, but it does it well. And like, mm-hmm. because I mean, it's literally a movie about people that are fucking an alien and enjoying fucking an alien, a tentacled alien. And it very much could very easily fall into the tentacle porn territory of, of anime, but it doesn't. And it is instead of like emotional and sad and gripping. And, hmm. I don't know. There's just something that like, maybe it's because it's South American. Like, uh, and the only reason I say that is because like it, it, it puts it, it's a what the fuck movie on par with oof. What is the name of that one movie? The something about the flesh. We are the flesh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Mexican movie. Yeah, which yeah. is another real fucked up and like, but in such an interesting way. Yeah, <laughs> it is fucked up. But and there's some stuff in there where like I am watching this right now. Yeah. Holy shit! Like. You'd almost be embarrassed if some, if like a certain, if the wrong kind of person walked up, like you know your parents or something walked up. Well, because it looks like you're watching porn. Yeah, exactly. But it's not. You're like, no, this isn't porn. It's too thoughtful and weird to be porn. And they're like, it looks like porn. And you're like, but it's not. And uh, you know, and someone could be like, is that his actual dick? Yeah. Yeah. Did that man just ejaculate on camera? It's porn. It's porn. <laughs> it's- <laughs> Exactly, but my um my what the fuck movies for best of uh it's a it's a tie, it's a tie again. It is uh, Lamb and Titany. Ah, oh man, I don't know. Maybe twenty twenty one was just a weird year, but it's you have one movie that is about a couple who discovered that one of their lamb have given birth to a hybrid lamb human child and decide in their grief and sadness and having lost their own child, we're going to raise this. We're going to raise this as our own and hope that nothing go bad goes wrong. Like nothing goes wrong with this. Um, 
And then you have a movie. Oh man, Titanic is almost undescribable, or it's almost. It, it is. I'm going to touch on that one too. That's very high up on my list. Yeah, but it's body horror and sad and uh, and about strange connections and and grief and oh man, like I think because they both run in that territory of like people trying to find something to make themselves whole and 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 not being able to find it quite right or finding it terrible ways that makes them so on par with each other um in such an odd way like i i i'd probably pair them together like if you wanted to like really try and tackle movies that are what the fuck movies and 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 just try to jump yourself into like i'm gonna watch strange movies on purpose hit these two up at the same time like yeah start one and then just go right into the other one um they're gonna feel different their one is gonna feel a lot more violent and a lot more shocking and the other i would do pacing paced and slow but they're so they're tr- they're they're interesting movies. I would do um I would do Lamb and then Titan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would be the because I feel like as much as I like Lamb, Titan is the one like it just left me feeling amazing. Both <laughs> time, I saw it in the theater twice, like one week and then the next week I went back and saw it again, and both times I left feeling absolutely amazing. So. Be ready to raise. I had to do this. I am gonna go ahead, and I'm gonna have to depart. But, Dude, don't uh, worry about it, man. Everybody, everybody who's listening, uh, happy New Year, and come back and listen to us more in the New Year. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, you guys. Have a good Later, evening. Anthony. Later. So, what else you got, Ray? Um, that can only be followed up with, and uh, I'm almost done. My uh, what the fuck moment. Of- okay. In 2021 and that was that's again a tie the birth scene in titany mm-hmm. and the uh, this is going to be a little vulgar but i have no other way to describe it and vulgar if you, me you know the episode the side pussy and brand new cherry flavor fuck yeah Rib cage, rib cage, vagina, as I heard it referred to by the creators, I believe. No, but that side pussy is so weird. It's yeah. I mean, <laughs> they went there. They totally went there, and I'm glad they went there. And there was no escalate. Like it's not like you could see that coming a mile away. That happens, and you're like, where, what, what, where are we exactly? <laughs> what the hell? But. That show, that's what that show traffics in, right? Yes. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, other notable films for um, 2021. Things that I just didn't know how, what kind of category to put them in, mm-hmm. but things that I liked and I thought, you know what, people need to watch these. People need to check these out. Um, Jacob's Wife. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that's in my top ten films, which is on my letterbox. Yeah, that's that's in there. It's great, great horror actors on screen sharing a presence and doing a great job of it. And yeah. it's Bessenden and uh, uh, a Barbara Crampton art yeah. movie. And approaching it, I thought it was going to be all Barbara Crampton show, and then I was surprised to see how much Bessenden was still in it. Yeah. Oh, it is about this this partnership between the two of them. And I thought this is great. I've been enjoying the shit out of this. Like, really surprised me. Um, I'm sure when you're gonna go into further about, but uh censure. Yeah. Um just remarkable. It's yeah. it's really it's really good. It's 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 almost flawless. Um I said that now I can't. I now I can't even think of anything where I have a problem with. Walmart. Yeah, I think I, I. I personally think it is flawless, but. Um. Oh, sorry, my 
iPad did something there for a moment. There we go. Uh, the Power. Oh, a, wait. I haven't seen that one. It's on Shutter. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good watch. It's a pretty good watch. It's it's fun. It's It, it reminds me of like some of the like um, stuff from the early 2000s, like uh, The Orphanage and some others like that. Um, Devil's Backbone, kind of. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last is... Um, Come true. Yeah. Great movie. That's in my top 10 films as well. More people need to watch that movie. It's so weird and unusual. And the um oh, that lead actress is magnetic. Yeah, it's um, it's a great movie. Everything about it's great. The magnetism of her and like how that adds that story. Like it's yeah, well said. Well very said. Well, very well done. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Good list, man. Good list. Okay, well, um, I'm going to do ten, a list of ten, and um, these are not my top ten films. Again, that's on my letterbox, and I'll probably also um, post that on either as a a blog on thehorrorvision.com or I don't know maybe somewhere else but uh so this is just the top 10 my top 10 horror of 2021 and we're going to start at number 10 and this is actually a last minute addition because i had baraska the podcast with cole sprouse on there and i realized uh thanks to anthony that was not this year that was last year but that just goes to show that this year has just been one big or the last two years are you know it's hard to really tell what's what so so number 10 Slasher, Flesh and Blood on Shudder. Uh, holy fuck, this was the goriest thing I saw all year by about a million. Cronenberg, David Cronenberg plays the wealthy patriarch of a family. I just, there's no other way to say it, a bunch of fucking entitled cunts. <laughs> he calls them all back to their island where they live. They literally live on, in a mansion on an island. And saying mansion doesn't even do it justice. Calls him back, uh, him and his nurse, and basically says, look, I'm going to die. And uh, somebody's going to inherit this shit. And he's just one of these survival of the fittest kind of people, business-wise and in life. And he's like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you compete for it. And whoever's left standing is the heir to my fortune and the business. And then he he literally goes and like, as they're discussing this, you know, that well, we're going to tell him this is wrong. And then the nurse comes out. She's like, oh, no, I just administered his, his end of life medicine. He's dead. They're like, wait, what? So he's dead, and then it just starts, and it is a series of tests and games kind of that just whittles them down, injures them, decimates them mentally, physically, emotionally. And then meanwhile, also, there is this gentleman. You don't know if it's a ghost or whatever, but it's a slasher, and it's just working its way through whenever it encounters somebody, it fucking mutilates them and i mean the opening kill i think in the first episode really tells you all you need to know about just how fucking gory this movie this show is going to be and it was good i really enjoyed it it was it was a definite like who you know you want to know what a killer is and it, you know it's got to be this person oh wait no it can't be that blah 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 just really great but just the gore was just unfucking believable like they went for it and out of the out of the park uh, number nine, a film I just saw like three days ago. I didn't know anything about it. It's on Hulu. It's based on a book by Max Booth III. It's called We Need to Do Something. Uh, Sierra McCormick, who many people will know as Lizard from VFW. She's also the, forget the chick's name, in the American Horror Stories, the anthology, the two episodes that take place in the murder house. She's the, the chick that ends up in the rubber suit. Um so it's her and Pat Healy, who is, you know, he's in The Innkeepers. He was in that show, Them. It's, I, I love both of them. But it's, it literally just, if you watch this movie, We Need to Do Anything. It's on Hulu. No, I'm sorry. We Need to Do Something. It's on Hulu. Do not read anything about it. Do not watch the fucking trailer. Just watch the movie. It starts this family walking into their bathroom putting down a blanket and it's basically like there's this horrible storm outside and there's tornado warning. So we're just going to, you know, stay in here and the husband and wife are having trouble and, and, and 
it becomes apparent that something besides a storm is going on. That's all I'm going to say. It takes place in one fucking room and it just, I could not, like, it was one of these afternoon watches. I put it on expecting to take a nap because I was exhausted from work. I was riveted the entire runtime. What is it called again? We need to do something. Okay. It's fabulous. It's so freaking good. I I just, go man, it, it really, really, make, it always makes me happy to find these, like, 11th hour, like, I just wasn't, I put it on not expecting it to be what, you know, anything that was going to like be this impactful. Uh, Director Sean King O'Grady. Really great. Uh, Number eight. I'm going to touch on this briefly because Anthony already touched on it. Silver Coin, the anthology by Michael Walsh and, you know, a bunch of other. Michael Walsh is the through line. He does all of the art. And then um, Jeff Lemire. Uh, Kelly Thompson, um, I forget who else, but just, a, a, you know, kind of a rotating cast of writers. Just, so, it's just the, you know, there's a, an art to a horror anthology as a movie or as a comic. And this just, it just slots in nicely with the best of them. So good. Seven, as soon as we're done with this episode, I will be watching the most recent episodes of Yellow Jackets. And it is, oh my God, it's so fucking good. It's so good. There's, after tonight, I think there's three weeks left, three episodes left. They drop Saturday at midnight on Showtime. I subscribed to Showtime for this. I was using a friend of ours login and and it literally, it was a login that was active for years and it must have just expired. Um, oh my God, it's, I just can't say it enough. It's, it's, um, Juliette Lewis, it's Christina Ricci, um, Melanie Linsky, and oh my god, it, it's it, I talked about it on a recent episode, I think that we did, where it's you know it takes place contemporary now and, and in 1996. In 1996, these this girls' high school soccer team went to nationals, but they never got there because their private plane crashed in the wilderness and they were stranded for 19 months. Nobody really knows what happened. They've never talked about it after they came back. And so now you're dealing with in the present day, there's somebody digging shit up and it's, oh, it's, it is totally event viewing. I look forward to watching it every week. I love it so much. Um, Number six, brand new cherry flavor. Basically the fifth season of channel zero. I, man, there's just certain things that, I just feel like we're made for me. And this was one of them. There's so much David Lynch in it, but not in a, in a bad or, you know, like it doesn't feel like it's leaning too heavily on him or, you know, it's just, man, it is also its own thing. Yes. The ribcage vagina. I literally was like, what am I watching? It, it, that was definitely a, the, what the fuck moment for me of the year. Cause I was wow. But yeah, it's so good. I just love the texture of the show. I love all the performances, everything. It's just fantastic. Five, Psycho Goreman. Fuck. I mean, probably the movie I've watched more than anything else this year. I have, it's, God, I just loved it so much. It's funny. It's fucking gross. It's amazing. Four. So this is Brett Easton Ellis's The Shards. So this is a novel, but it's not a novel yet. He serialized this on his podcast, which you can subscribe to on Patreon. It's behind a paywall. I've been subscribed to his podcast since it was free on Podcast One. He's always been one of my favorite authors. And, you know, I I would listen to podcasts to hear him talk. Every episode, it's like a monologue. And then a guest that he interviews and a lot about the current state of movies and Hollywood and, and this and that fiction. And I didn't even realize when it, this started, I didn't, the first ep- episode of it, I didn't realize that's what was happening. And then, you know, when it, it was, I think the second episode, this is going back into like fall 2020 when this began. And he's like, you know, the, the next chapter of my, you know, novel, the shards which maybe won't be a novel maybe it'll never be published whatever but i'm i'm going to do it you know week to week here 
I, I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. So this is like happening. I'm listening week by week to a new Brett Easton Ellis novel. It's fabulous. It's, you know, I mean, none of his stuff is really horror as a genre. I mean, he's a, he's a literature author. It's not really genre, but dude, there is just, holy shit, is there some horrific shit in this? It's about a group of people. It's, it's him telling you what happened to him and his friends in 1981 when they were seniors in high school. And at Buckley High in, in L.A. And it has to do with a serial killer, briefly known as the Trowler, disappearing classmates, disappearing pets, where the bodies of the, the remains of those pets end up. Um, it, man, it's, he, and, and he landed the ending. The ending was fucking amazing. Unfortunately, <clears throat> the podcast has now excised so those episodes are so when he would read it, it would be the first hour or so of the episode that week would be him reading and then it would go into his his monologue and his interview um and like this podcast is like i think i subscribed to it for two or three dollars so it's like the best the best money spent but um it's those those episodes are no longer the, the the shards part of it is no longer on those episodes it looks like they have been removed and i think that's because now he he posted on social media a picture of the the galley's copy of the book and i mean the book is gonna i mean it's it's a 24 hour long reading thing um like reading time but the book is looks like it's looks like a telephone book mm. it's fabulous i can't wait to get it and read it like actually read it i've i'm already listening to it a second time um somebody in the shards uh facebook group right when it finished put up an mp3 and i downloaded it so thank god i don't remember who did that i wish i did because i would buy them a nice bottle of wine or something because it's just man i i love it so much um three another novel this one though i read this is stephen graham jones my heart is a chainsaw best modern slasher anything in 40 years because well that's a bit much but but i mean in like 25 years because it literally like what we were talking about before ray with how you can now just kind of like slot the slasher movie into a netflix thing and make it something that you know high schoolers are excited to watch like that's not what stephen graham jones did with this but what he did with this was like bring the conversation about slasher movies into like this is going it's going to be so much bigger than it is even at this point and it's already brought him i think he he just leveled up like times a thousand because of this book, and it's it's just fantastic. Um, and then number two, Titan blew me away. Uh, I it just I don't even know that it's it's a body horror movie for sure. Oh yeah, there's murders in it. I don't know that it's a horror movie. I think the reason I I debate on whether or not to include it, but I think the reason I did is the body horror and. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we talk about Cronenberg, stuff like video dramas, horror, then I, I can't not talk about this. I loved it so much. I can't wait to own the, the Blu-ray. I pre-ordered it. I will watch it. I can't wait to show it to my girlfriend. I have no idea what she, how she's going to feel about it, but um, I loved it. And then number one, censor. Prano Bailey Bond, Jesus Christ. Like, Prano Bailey Bond, this was your... Like this reminds me of Alex Garland and Ex Machina, where it's like, this is your first, the first fucking movie you're directing. Are you serious? Holy shit. It takes people two decades to get here. So I just can't wait to see what she does next. I, man, That's... it's so good. It's, God damn it. It's just, uh. so yeah, th there you go. That was my top 10 horror of 2021. So, I need to read My Heart as a Chainsaw. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, you'll fucking love it. Buy, buy it on Kindle and put it on your phone or I don't know. I, I bought it on Kindle. I'm going to buy a hard... I need to buy a hardback just to buy it. But, you know, I have a... I'm just trying not to buy a lot of stuff that because I'm, I'm going to move this coming year and it's just, you know, I'm like very cognizant of everything I'm bringing into the house. But... um. Oh man, I, it's it's just so fucking good. It's so good, and you'll love it because you love slasher movies. I'm telling you, man, this. It, and it's not just that it's a great slasher. Like there is a level. Like this is the like the 
climactic sequence, the set piece is like Spielberg level. And, and there's a reason why I'm saying that too, but, but it is, it's like, it uses a, something with Spielberg as kind of a backdrop, but also just, he's got so many moving pieces that he's juggling and it's perfect. Like, wow. oh, it's, oh, it, it was just, I read it in three days. It's something to behold. I just, I could not put it down. That's cool. Yeah, it's, you, you'll, you would love it. I do have to note, for my list, I very cognizantly took off the black phone, which would have been, but the thing is, We're that right shit, here. right here, Same. that shit's not coming out until now, it was supposed to be February, now it's like, like, june or july or something so it's not till next year otherwise it would have been on my list too yeah but, guaranteed it'll be on my list next year but i mean you know we saw it at a festival if you're out there don't watch the trailer for the black phone just no wait for do it. not do not watch it do not watch. i couldn't i i literally sat aghast as it just basically does all the beats for the fucking i'm like are you, you're kidding oh i'm sure scott derrickson was just not happy with that so okay well great list and um, just, you know, thanks to everyone who listens. And we will be back in probably two weeks with another episode. And we'll talk maybe about um, the stuff we've seen and some of the stuff we're looking forward to. Uh, and I'm assuming Robert Eggers' name will definitely be mentioned. Oh, so. yeah. But until then, for the Horror Vision Horror Podcast, I'm Sean. I'm Ray. And we'll see you later. And hope that he <laughs> fucking what are you doing? It's this thing on the table. I can't. I'm sorry. I, I'll keep my hands crossed. <laughs> Come over and tie your fucking hands. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, I don't know why. I fidget. I fidget. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs>